the real estate market in the Treasure Valley is picking up, and now is a great time to think about taking action. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer, looking to upgrade, or thinking about selling and cashing out, consider reaching out to our sponsors Jesse Taff with Waypoint Real Estate Group and Bryce Gonzer of Fulcrum Home Loans. They've been able to help both buyers and sellers make deals that work for them in a challenging market. If you're thinking about buying this summer, Jesse and Bryce are still seeing good opportunities for existing and new construction homes. And paired with great loan products and more favorable rates, this might be the time for you to reach out to them and take steps towards your home goal. Find them on the web at www.waypointidaho.com and www.fulcrumhomeloans.com. the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Shane Plummer. In this episode, we speak with Karin Levine of the nonprofit Global Gardens of Boise, who have been operating in the Valley for almost 20 years. Global Gardens promotes community-supported agriculture, or CSA. What that means is connecting small local farmers directly to the consumer through a vegetable subscription service. The unique thing about how they do it is that the farmers they focus on are refugees who have expertise in farming. Global Gardens helps them find land to purchase, borrow, or lease, offers them coaching and resources to run their businesses, and connects them directly to the community to sell their harvests, either through the CSA at local farmer's markets or directly to local restaurants. The end result for the community member is a basket of fresh vegetables that you pick up weekly for the entire summer. They really seem to offer a great service that supports both local business and the community. In addition to their support for farmers, they run a huge community garden program for family gardeners, host educational farm visits from schools, they provide local child care centers with fresh produce and find ways to divert excess produce to underserved communities around the valley. It was interesting speaking with Karin and learning how the organization works, what support really looks like to all parties, and how to get access to fresh, healthy, pesticide-free, farm-to-table produce on a regular basis. So we bring you a conversation with Karin Levine of Global Gardens of Boise. Karin, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, glad to be here. Thank you. I have a personal interest in gardening. I don't know if Natalie mentioned it to you, but I've kind of started my own little uh, side garden in this little section of side yard, and I am firsthand experiencing what it's like to grow stuff, and it's hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard, yes. and it takes a lot yes. more patience than I had expected, <laughs> and mm -hmm. and honestly, it costs a lot more money than I expected, too. So mm -hmm. yeah, the cost of getting your own food is uh, uh, not insignificant. And so we're super interested to learn a little bit about Global Gardens and what you guys do. Um, Natalie, how did you come in contact with Global Gardens? Um, I think I first um, was introduced to your organization at the gathering at the Capitol. Um, you guys mm -hmm. had a booth and we were talking about like all things refugees and how we can assimilate and, and really you know, make sure that we're all this great community and supporting each other. And you guys had this booth discussing what you do. And I was like, wow, like it kind of hits all of some, well, a lot of the things I'm interested in and especially like um, sourcing local and ag and it's just really cool. And I was surprised that I didn't know about it because it fits so much into 
to what I was really looking for. So I'm like, you know, I have a feeling other people will be very interested in this too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Global Gardens and then maybe after the overview, we'd like to know about you and what your role in it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to share. And uh, yes, Natalie, it was great to see you at that refugee luncheon. Um, I think that that got our image out there to a lot of people. So I'm glad to hear that it brought you in as well. Um, so Global Gardens has been around for a while, um, since about 2004. Um, in various forms, it started as a community garden um, with small plots just meant for folks to be able to have a space to grow food for their families. Um, and all along the way, it's it's developed, it's gotten a lot bigger, more programs, a lot wider reach, but the primary goal has always been to support farmers from refugee backgrounds who uh, come and settle and join us here in the Treasure Valley. Um, we are a not-for-profit program of the Idaho Office for Refugees. And so because of that, we're able to provide access to land, training, education, as well as the local food market to assist farmers in operating their own businesses, farming businesses with shared resources and support. Um, and so my role in that is more on the distribution side. So, um, you know, half the work is happening out in the field getting the oh and then half the work is finding out where they're going to go so i do that through several different avenues um that we can touch on but um you know it involves uh getting fresh local um seasonal produce to our community members and um you know having that be a mutually beneficial relationship both for the farmers that we work with and the folks that are able to access that um, that fresh local produce that, like you were saying, Shane, is uh, hard to grow on your own yep. and um, hard to find, um, you know, that quality and sustainable aspect in a grocery stores, you know, for food that has traveled 3000 miles to, to get here. Um, yeah. So especially during the, the pandemic, there was a bump in interest for buying local, knowing where your food coming from is coming from, uh, supporting uh, local food systems. And so that really shined a light on the work that we do and was actually really helpful in, um, you know, expanding the yeah. the farming businesses and the work that we're able to do. So um, uh, the end product or the final touch point with the community or the distribution is kind of interesting and not everybody may understand what a community supported agriculture um, distribution model looks like. I mean, most of us mm -hmm. go to, to the grocery store and that's where we get our, our produce and we don't know anything about how it got there. Um, can you ex explain the basics of a CSA and kind of how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, a CSA, like you were saying, is the most direct way to get your food from a farmer. Even a farmer's market acts as like an intermediary, but this connects someone directly with a farmer in the community. So I like to describe it kind of like a subscription box. Um, those have been like very trendy recently, and it's kind of like a fresh veggie subscription box. So uh, you pay up front at the beginning of the season, um, and then for 18 weeks, every week you get a bag of fresh vegetables. Um, so, and that, you know, connects you directly with the Global Gardens farmer. We have uh, six pickup sites around Boise and Meridian. Um, so, you know, whatever one is convenient, we try to space them out strategically to help folks out. There's also a home delivery option, but 
Um, yeah, the CSA, uh, like I said, I think folks really became more interested and aware of that option during the pandemic, but that model has actually been around for a very long time. Um, it goes back to uh, farmers in the South uh, when white farmers were getting subsidies from the federal government to pay for uh, supplies and seeds and things at the beginning of the season and black farmers were not. And so it was um, created by black farmers as a way to um, get that initial investment from their community, community supported agriculture, um, and then pay kind of pay that back throughout the season in the form of a share. Of, of fresh vegetables. So yeah, it's taken on a very much a modern um, form, but it is, uh, yeah, has its roots uh, from a long time ago. Mm. And so we try to, yeah, um, honor that relationship between the farmer and the customer and, you know, where that, where that came from, not as a, you know, way to get fresh vegetables, but as a, um, as a self-sustainability practice and necessity for farmers that were being marginalized. Right. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind yeah. of interested in, I imagine that other people might be interested too in understanding the connection. Uh, like the, the, in, the finish line is, you know, you get a bag of produce, uh, you know, every week, and that's awesome. But mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what Global Gardens does to facilitate and to help refugee farmers you, we had talked offline a little bit about finding land and, you know, going through the business part of agriculture. Tell us a little bit about, like, the first connection that Global Gardens has with refugees and the services that you guys provide. Absolutely. So um, Global Gardens uh, was founded because there was a need in the community. A lot of the folks that resettle here as refugees have uh, some level of agricultural skills and experience. Um, it's a lot more common in the countries that folks that are that are uh, coming from uh, to grow your own food. So it's not it's it's pretty normal for for refugees to have um, that knowledge and those skills. Um, and there were there were barriers that were keeping those folks from not only being able to grow food just for themselves and their families, but to turn those skills into uh, a profitable, successful business. Land access, um, land access seems to be like the primary barrier, right? To grow anything, you have to have a piece of land to do that. Mm -hmm. How are refugees oh, yeah. finding land if they're they're newcomers to this area? That seems like a big hurdle. Yeah, well, they're they're not finding land. That's <laughs> yeah, that's where Global Gardens comes in. Um, we actually don't own any of the land that uh, the farmers that we work with. Um, grow on, but it is generously donated or leased by um, a variety of entities. Some of it is city land, some of it is uh, churches that reach out and uh, or private corporations that just have extra space and say, hey, we're not using this, come, you know, come turn it into something beautiful. Um, and so we, you know, we have to be a little bit picky about what projects we take on because every plot of land requires, you know, some investment and there are lots of considerations, water, electricity, irrigation, um, location, things like that. But yeah, we, we um, manage the land, we do all the infrastructure and um, make it make it so that it can be grown on. And um, then then farmers are able to, you know, use that space to cultivate it and and start, you know, the beginnings of their businesses. Mm. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's amazing. So, um, you know, go focus on land for a second. Um, Mm -hmm. do you just feel like you have what you need or is this something that you're, you're constantly looking for? Are you, are you hoping that the community, I, I think I'm saying this because I'm interested in what the community can do to obviously promote what you're doing. And I think obviously, um, purchasing the food is going to be an easy one. Are you still looking for land in the area or do you guys, are you at capacity? Um, we're, we're doing okay right now. Um, we do get, um, offers, uh, on a f- semi-regular basis. Um, again, it, we have to be like, we have to be, um, you know, think about it quite a bit. Another part of that is that, uh, we have, you know, five or six plots of land around Boise and, um, and Meridian. And unfortunately during the height of the season, um, some farmers spend quite a bit of time driving in between sites. Um, so we would rather, you know, we have a lot of people reach out and say, Oh, I have a big yard, like come, you know, garden in my backyard, which is, very sweet and generous but we don't want to spread ourselves out like too much we'd rather have like bigger plots um closer to each other which i mean man with the growth that we're seeing in the valley and the development um that that has been obviously for for us and for many other farmers um a challenge to uh you know because if someone has land, they could they could donate it to Global Gardens and honestly probably at a loss if they're paying for the water and stuff, or they could sell it for a nice chunk of change. So I get it. Um, it's going to be, I think, increasingly difficult in the future um, to, to come across land um, that is usable and feasible, um, especially if Global Gardens continues to grow and uh, more farmers want to come work with us, we will need to um, be thinking about that. Uh, but at this point, at this point, we're, we're doing, we're doing okay. We have a couple, uh, we have one plot of land that's going to be coming online uh, in the next year or so that we're kind of focused on. So, um, so yeah, we, we appreciate it, um, of course. So as a summary statement, would you agree that what you're saying is that right now there seems to be a pretty good balance between farmers that want to participate and land available to help them with. Yes. Yeah. Um, there are, yeah. I mean, the farmers that we work with, many of them are very ambitious and are looking to grow their businesses and become like fully independent at some point. Um, and that, you know, again, like that being able to have your own piece of land is, that's that's a huge hurdle. So yeah. um, we're we're always trying to work with farmers about you know what's what's realistic, how we can meet their needs. Yeah, um, you had mentioned before that you offer some coaching and some guidance as far as the business practices of, of agriculture. Uh, what does that look like? What is that interaction between these uh, refugee farmers and global gardens and the consulting services look like? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, um, again, that's one of the big things that uh, keeps farmers from being able to do this on their own is um, just the like American business model. Um, So and as well as a big part of that is uh, like digital technical skills. So, you know, being able to set up a website for uh, for CSA registrations um, or to fill out an online farmer's market application. Um, that's, that's what I do. Like I, you know, meet with farmers wherever they're at and, 
um, you know, help them get a seller's permit and an insurance policy. So, um, you know, things that for uh, folks that were born here in America um, or, you know, especially generational farmers is just like intuitive knowledge um, and really not a second thought is like a real big lift for folks that, um, you know, maybe are uh, less familiar with the English language or how to use a laptop, yeah. things like that. So um, those are all gaps that that we fill in as well as, uh, you know, some training on like customer service and, um, you know, how to be at the farmer's market and how to run a CSA pickup site, um, all of those things and kind of bridging those cultural gaps while still honoring, you know, the farmer's uh, skills and diversity that they bring to the treasure valley while um helping them become familiar with what will um be successful here mm. okay mm -hmm. and then um did you mention that people can actually visit or like that sometimes you'll have um schools come and and see some of the see some of the process what does that look like yeah absolutely um we love uh opening our farm up for you know any any anything that engages the community provides some education provides some inspiration um we we love having folks out one of our one of our sites is like kind of our main food hub um it's where all the veggies come to be like processed washed packed and stored until they get distributed and um we have a a chunk of that site that we call our children's garden it's raised beds with a arbor and an orchard of fruit trees and berries and pollinator plants and um it's a it's a really lovely spot and so that's typically where we bring uh you know uh, groups of school children teachers for field trips um uh a lot of like horticultural clubs that want to come out and either lend a hand or just learn about what's happening at the farm um we offer a heavily discounted CSA for local childcare centers. Um, and throughout the season, you know, just like all the other ones, 18 weeks long, but at some point during the season, we invite all the childcare centers to come out to the farm. Um, it is adorable and it's mm. really fun. Uh, you know, we dig up carrots and pick berries and learn about where your food comes from and the dirt and the soil and uh it's it's super fun so yeah we love to have groups uh come out and and just learn i mean there are so many folks that live here um and a lot of places that have never like seen what a what a farming operation looks like especially like a small scale urban local farm and right. that's really impactful for a lot of folks um do does does global gardens have certain standards of growing uh like organic growing kind of comes to my mind uh pesticides herbicides um do you have certain requirements that the farmers have to follow and what is uh, i mean um what kind of chem what kind of chemicals are they using on sure. on the produce yeah that's that's like the number one thing that folks want to know about the, their veggies not just like from global gardens but from anywhere is uh, what's what's in these things? Um, so we at Global Gardens do not use any, we're spray-free, pesticide-free, no chemicals in our fields at all. 
Um, we are not certified organic, largely because uh, we do operate on multiple farm sites, and that would be like a logistical nightmare, as well as very expensive to get each of those sites um, certified organic, especially with knowing that like we might only be on some of these sites for a couple more years. And every time we bring on a new location, going through that process. Um, so it just hasn't been feasible at this point for us. We use organic practices, um, which is, yes, the uh, not using chemicals or sprays, um, washing and packing uh, practices, things like that. Um, so yeah, we, we pride ourselves on uh, high quality, fresh, clean uh, produce that is grown with sustainable practices. That's another that's another part we use um, really limited tilling, um, which can be hard on the soil. Um, we try to use regenerative practices that, you know, we, we get so much from the land that we're on, but we also want to fortify it and keep it healthy um, so that it can continue to, uh, you know, be a be an important part of our ecosystem. Not to go down uh, the rabbit hole, uh, hole mm -hmm. too too far, but a lot of people that don't garden um, might not understand like soil amendments and what you have to do mm -hmm. for that. So can you tell a little bit, I mean, you kind of started touching on that, but um, no tilling, giving back mm -hmm. into the soil, what does that look like? Totally. I mean, that is like, that is like the heart of, of gardening and farming is, is your soil. Um, that's what is gonna, is gonna give your food some life. Um, and so we do, yeah, we're, we're working right now um, on bringing our worm, like vermiculture operation more online. So we have worms and worm bin and compost that we use. Um, and we're planning to make some worm tea this season, um, which is not for drinking, but it is um, using worm castings to, which are like really highly nutritious. Um, to you know spread out in the fields and um make that soil like as packed with nutrients as possible um and so yeah we do we definitely that's a priority of ours is is taking care of the land that we're on um because if you take care of it it'll it'll take care of you really I think it's funny the questions that you think of because you're I, you're so ag-minded like <laughs> just because you're invested in in gardening and for me I'm thinking I I'm I'm kind of the, the people stories. And what I just keep thinking about is um, how does your organization, I guess, establish a community for people who come here? Because I see on your social media, it seems like you gather um, and that there are relationships between the farmers. Um, is that an element of, of your organization as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, many of the farmers that we work with are actually... Uh, like work in pairs, like either siblings or uh, spouses. Um, and some of them are like, it's, it's quite interconnected. Um, the refugee community is very close knit. Um, and another part of that is the community garden that we run. Like I mentioned, Global Garden started as a community garden. We still do have a plot of land that is a community garden that is, um, you know, a hundred small plots of land or, you know, plots on one piece of land that folks can use just to grow for themselves and their families. That's not really part of our like distribution um, model, but yeah, that is definitely a, a, a strong community builder. Um, there's a section of those plots of land that St. Alphonsus uses um, as part of their uh, survivors of trauma program for like therapeutic gardening. 
um, which is, from what I've heard, um, one of the more popular aspects of their like integrative services that they provide. So we're really we're really happy to be able to um, offer land for that because that is um, truly like a very healing um, activity for a lot of folks, especially um, who have gardening in their in their cultural history. Um, and yes, like we are, the farmers that we work with are very close knit. Um, they're a joy to work with. Um, we, I've been lucky to, you know, create and uh, those relationships over just, uh, I've been with Global Gardens for just over a year, but in a short time, um, I've really been able to see the beauty in um, the relationships that exist both within Global Gardens and that we've been able to cultivate among the community between the farmers as well. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the farmers have uh, CSA customers that come back year after year because they've become been able to get to know them and even develop friendships with them and uh you know at the farmers market as well that's a huge uh community connection that um wouldn't exist um if if we weren't able to uh make that happen so uh we are really lucky to play a role in um you know being able to share the beauty and diversity of the farmers that uh, we work with, uh, with the community members and vice versa. Yeah. So beautiful. Side note, I, I, I was very interested in your comment about the therapeutic properties of being out there. Mm-hmm. My garden has like become my Zen spot. Oh my gosh. This morning, that's <laughs> how I started it, a whole my podcast. day. I did my meditation. <laughs> I did my reading. Um, and then I spent like 20 minutes just kind of talking to these plants and, and hanging out there. Like that is where like I want to go. Like talking directly to them? Like oh, for sure. stories to them? Or? No, just kind of commenting on how proud I am of how hard they're working. And, Are you serious? And how beautiful they look. And, and, and I love them even if they're not beautiful. But uh, I just like that they're doing well. Yeah. That's... Okay, we'll we'll talk about that offline. Um, I was also interested in, in our different sources of curiosity, Natalie. You're focused on like these relationships in the community uh, network uh-huh. and how all that works. And yeah, my mind definitely goes towards the formula of making all that work. Like it is, it takes a lot to number one grow, like uh-huh. growing anything, and to grow it in a sustainable way that you're in harmony with the land and not just using it up, that takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill and a lot of balance. There's so many levers to pull on and to push uh, that affect the final outcome. And then you layer on top of that another formula of the business. And how do you run a business profitably to sustain your family? That's crazy to me. I cannot believe how farmers do it. Yeah. I think I see it kind of like almost as a metaphor. I like learning into, I, I like learning into, I like learning about some of these things because I think when you see the complications behind where your food come from comes from, and we don't have that in America, we just, we're just, we just pick up our, our milk and we're our eggs and the, it's just there. And yeah, so food, we, food comes from the grocery store. Yeah. We don't respect it. And, but the, when you see the complications in some of these things and what it takes to be sustainable, I think that as you're saying, the, the narrative I take that in so many different directions. Like that's every category you can think of. And we, even just with talking about the refugee situation, um, you know, we have this beautiful community here and it's very complicated and it's complicated how we support them and how we integrate them into our community. So I, for me, just seeing all the complications and, and beautiful um, as it is, 
it, it just reminds me like there's all these elements I think in our community that we have to really invest in and I find it fascinating that there's just like there's this one this one organization that's doing this thing for our soil for our refugees and investing in that um I guess motivates this growth and um I don't know so I'm always I'm kind of I look at it a little more umbrella but then you know you're interested in the worm tea which is great too (laughs) like and I guarantee he's gonna like dig deep into that oh we're gonna have a worm bin no by next year we're gonna have a compost house and a worm bin no this will be a conversation I think you can get some can you can you get the worm tea Girl, somewhere else? Tr- trust me, it's gonna anyway, be okay. Whatever. Okay, so I guarantee <laughs> there's like not a single person listening to this who's not like I want to have that. I mean, who doesn't want like sus- Fresh, yeah? Who ever wants that? Source. Vegetables. So let's talk about how the community can directly um, benefit and support global gardens for whatever that that means and and what's helpful for you guys. Definitely. Um, also, I will say, I saw how you were looking at him, Natalie, but the worms are the real deal. <laughs> I'm serious. This, this you mean, lady the, gets you mean the terror on my face of like, are yes. you serious? I just, I love our beautiful home. and Spoken like of, a true city lady. I'm not a city lady. I grew up on land too. Then why do you hate worms so much? I don't hate worms. I just don't want worms like thriving and writhing in my backyard. Like under the ground is great and I will support them and I'm, and I'm grateful for the what they do to my soil. But I don't need to see like a big plantation and I don't need you going out talking to the worms. There's not going to be free range worms, Natalie. <laughs> they have their bin. I think all worms are free range worms, like for generally, like, right? Listen, like, I guarantee that education will allay all of your oh, concerns. Oh, okay. You can't even know how many times he says that to me. Okay, anyway, how can we support <laughs> Global Garden? Don't mind our little domestic <laughs> banter. Yeah, yeah. I can see I, I opened something up. Yeah. I apologize. Um, <laughs> Yes, thank you for asking that. Um, so, you know, at at its core, um, Global Gardens is a nonprofit, but the farmers that we support are small businesses. So it really comes down to supporting small businesses, like you would with any other small business. I know, um, and and I appreciate Natalie how much of a priority that is on your platform and what you do and highlighting small businesses. And um, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to joining our CSA, finding Global Gardens farmers at the farmer's markets um, and and supporting them that way because um, you're, you're right, you're spot on, Shane, that like the, the profit margins are slim, uh, especially when you factor in the hours that these farmers work and it's, you know, labor. It is hard, skilled labor that they're doing. So, um, and they do it for that income. Um, many of the several of the farmers that we work with are full-time farmers. Um, so the the profits that they make during this like 18 week growing season uh, is meant to sustain them and their families for the entire year. Um, so that, <laughs> and that's a big lift. Um, that's a big responsibility. Um, mm. And so that is like our motivation as Global Gardens is um, comes down to helping make these small businesses successful. Um, I mentioned the farmer's market. Uh, Several of the farmers that we work with are at the Boise Farmer's Market. And for the first time this year, we're expanding. And I think we have three folks signed up to be at the Meridian Farmer's Market for the first time. Um, So I will, um, once, once they start going to the market, we're not quite there yet. 
um man this winter that we've had has delayed us yeah. um wow. the the snow in at the end of april like oof, that that was hard um so from many of the farmers that we work with are planning to be at the markets uh starting in mid-june um and as soon as they're there i'll be posting on our social media who's going to be where um, you know, the names of their businesses, because when you go to the farmer's market, they won't be under like the global gardens name. They're going to be under their, uh, their own. Yeah. Their own name, you know, Hadija's family farm, Chumwaga six farm, uh, you know, and so you'll be able to see on our social media, the names of their, their booths and, um, what location they'll be at. And, um, that is, that is hugely impactful. So quick question. When someone picks up a basket, like a full or a half basket, is the produce that's in my basket, is it coming from one farm or is it coming from several? Yeah, great question. Um, so our CSA is structured um, that when you choose your pickup location, you're actually picking the farmer that is growing your your produce. So each location is operated by a different global gardens farmer. Mm -hmm. Some of them actually oh, okay. operate multiple sites on different days, um, you know, based on their capacity, experience, things like that. Um, so for example, if you sign up for our uh, Meridian CSA, um, it's located at the St. Luke's Meridian on Eagle Road. Um, that's run by Noor and Mariamu. Um, they're, a, they're a wonderful couple that uh, I've been so lucky to to work with um their kids are usually there helping them out at the pickup site and yeah when you when you go pick up you get to meet them you get to say hello introduce yourself um and you know over 18 weeks that becomes that can become a real um special relationship for a lot of folks that's awesome so if you want i'm sorry oh I was... sorry I, I was just going to ask just following up on the basket um i read that uh, every now and again they'll mix in um a vegetable or something from their native country is that right mm -hmm. yeah oh, that's cool. yeah that's um that's actually um a, something that people really uh, value in joining our CSA is, uh, you know, any CSA has that element of like surprise kind of, um, you know, we do give notice of like, here's what to expect in your bag this, this week. But, um, yeah. And every once in a while they'll throw in like a native African vegetable, mm. um, machicha or sour leaf. Um, or, you know, I get, I get surprised by what, what gets thrown in there every once in a while. Um, and yeah, because I send out like weekly pickup reminders, I'll say, okay, this might look unfamiliar. Here's what it is. Here's how to prepare it. Um, here's, you know, a link to the website about the nutritional value, things like that. So um, a lot of folks really uh, get excited about that element. And, you know, it's it, you, these things you can't find in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times these vegetables, farmers are having the seeds for them sent from Africa. Um, so, um, I mean, I consider them like a delicacy um, and a real uh, cultural experience to be able to, um, you know, food food is is culture. Um, yeah. And being able to share that is, is really beautiful. So let's say that um, I want to sign up for, um, for baskets. How do people do that and when does that start? Yeah, absolutely. So our registrations are open um, on our website, globalgardensboise.org. Um, everything you need to know is on that website, all the different pickup locations, the days, the times. Um, 
you can pick Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, you know, all, all the options, um, as well as the home delivery option is on there as well. Um, and they start on um, varying weeks, depending on, you know, how early the farmer was able to start growing. Um, again, we're we're slightly behind where we usually are this time of year, unfortunately, but uh, those most of those will start the first or second week of June. So there is still time and we'll leave registrations open like up until like right when they start, you know, the farmers want as many customers as possible. So they're like, hey, le leave them open throughout the season. So we're not quite doing that because that that turns into a bit of a nightmare. But <laughs> um, yes, yes, you can still sign up. There's plenty of time. Um, and yeah, all of that info can be found on our website. Wow. All right. This is so cool. And I'm so grateful you guys do this. Um, it's kind of answers like every need. It's like, wow, okay, healthy food and supporting our community and supporting the refugees and building community. I just like love all of this. Check, so It checked all yeah, your boxes, huh? Yeah, I'm excited. So we're going to be um, signing up. And so people can watch on the Boise Bubble and also on Hello Meridian how we're preparing the food, which is going to be really fun. And I'm going to do my best to uh, to try to do all of the um, surprise um, vegetables that come in. I'm going to, I'm an okay cook. So that's kind of one of my goals, or I might just assign one of my, um, high schoolers and say, Hey, what can you do with this? So that will be fun. So you can follow along for more, um, on our social media. That will be really fun for us, but thank you so much. Awesome. And thank you for coming on. This has been really fun and we're excited to participate ourselves in this. Yeah. Karin, thanks a Wonderful. lot. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you're joining. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. It's, it's, been lovely to talk with you. Right. You too. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. Thanks again to our sponsors. Waypoint Real Estate Group and Fulcrum Home Loans for supporting local dialogue. If you're interested in changing your home situation, find them on the web at www.waypointidaho.com and www.fulcrumhomeloans.com to learn more.